Well, we are continuing our Lenten series on forming faith, where we are talking about different Christian spiritual disciplines. And we're thinking about how we can make space for God to mend our brokenness and to mold us into the people that we were created to be. Well, we began with talking about listening, right? Finding quiet times and spaces to be present with God. And last week, Pastor Emily encouraged us to unplug and to rest. And if you've been following along in our Lenten journals, I hope that you've tried some of the strategies for turning away from and turning off those things that distract us from being present with one another and being present with God. Well, this week, we're focusing on fasting, a discipline that is practiced by many faith traditions. It's a a way of growing spiritually and having a divine encounter. And it seems like this probably is the most popular and maybe the most controversial of the spiritual disciplines. I mean, if you go on YouTube, and you do a quick search, you'll find all these great things for fasting. Uh, You know, it'll lower uh, your resistance to insulin, it'll 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 lower your cholesterol, it'll lower your hypertension, it'll lower your inflammation. You know, there there are other obvious benefits, you know, weight loss. There's the the benefit of uh, extreme longevity. You know, you can live forever if you fast. But there's also this sort of spiritual element too, right? And if you go on YouTube, you'll see all these videos like this next one, Fasting for Spiritual Breakthroughs, where you can get buff and look like a spiritual shaman if you just just do the right kind of fast. You know, there's all of these videos about fasting to get God's attention. And you know, There's some truth in all of this, and I don't want you to think that fasting is wrong, but the thing that all of these things have in common is me, my weight loss, my health, my demons. God, pay attention to me. And I think we can fall into this trap when we see our spiritual disciplines as only about ourselves. the trap of thinking about our spiritual disciplines strictly as a personal affair is one that I want to consider this morning. I want us to consider the fast that God desires for us, and I want us to think about how our inner disciplines can better connect us to each other and to God. So will you pray with me? Loving God, calm our hearts and still our minds that we may be nourished by your word and led by your will. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Isaiah. It's toward the end of the book when the people have returned to Jerusalem. 
Since the destruction of the first temple, a generation of Jews have fasted on two months out of the year, on the fifth and seventh months, according to the, the instructions of the prophet Zechariah. They fasted for God to answer their prayers, to restore their kingdom to its former glory. Yet the nation of Israel has just simply changed their, captive, uh, their, their captives from Babylon to their rulers of Persia, and not much else has changed. So now hear the words of our Lord as spoken by the prophet Isaiah. The Hebrew is translated into English this way. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet day after day they seek me, and they delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They want God to be on their side. Why do we fast, but you do not see, they say. Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice. Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. You fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today, will not make your voice heard on high. Is such a fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this fast a day acceptable to the Lord? Well, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I think it must have been awfully upsetting to the good folks in Jerusalem who think that they're doing everything right. How shocking these words must have been. I mean, how could God be upset with pious people that follow the law? They fasted and they humbled themselves like Moses did before and like David. After all, the prophets fasted to get God's attention. We read about that of Elijah and Ezra fasting to hear God's voice. They might say, you know, we've delighted to know God's ways. We've attended church every Sunday. We've prayed. We've asked God for justice, for restoration, for God's righteousness to overflow in the world. What are we doing wrong, they might ask. And we might ask the same. I wonder if the church feels like this sometimes as we lament the parade of polls proclaiming the lowering number of believers, as we complain that the church is no longer the center of our pluralistic society, as we struggle to proclaim the good news of hope to the world only to have our voice lost in the clattering chorus of contemporary culture. We too want God on our side and seek God's righteous judgments. We want God to restore the church and to bring it to its proper place of prominence. But in this morning's scripture, 
Isaiah is telling the people that they have it backward. He's telling them that they need to turn their thinking inside out. You see, they think that their inner piety, their righteousness, will bring God's favor, God's justice, God's goodness. The prophet proclaims, though, that God is interested in so much more than what we do on Sundays, or how we fast, or how we pray, or dare I even say, what we believe. What God is interested in is what we do the other times of our life. God is interested in what we do in our lives and how we live and who we connect with. I think that sometimes God's people are willing to entrust their religious life to God, but they're less willing to extend their faith commitment to social and economic spheres of their lives. And when this happens, people remain in darkness, even when they are brought out of exile. Isaiah proclaims that seeking justice, liberating the oppressed, defending the vulnerable, that is the work of God's people, every bit as much as praying and fasting. Way back in the first chapter of Isaiah, he tells the people to seek justice, to rescue the oppressed, to defend the orphan and advocate for the widow. And Jesus is quoting this when he starts his ministry in the Gospel of Luke. The people of God in Isaiah's time are asking for God's righteous judgment while they are withholding justice from the least and the last. So what is the fast that God desires then? Well, fortunately, the prophet tells us in the next verses. Is this the fast that I chose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and the Lord will say, here I am. Am. God will say, here I am. The very words that we heard the prophet Samuel say two weeks ago in response to that still, still small voice. Here I am. That is what God is saying to us. God is here when we share our bread. God is here in our clothing drives, in our food drives. God is here when we invite people into our homes and into our lives. God is here when we work to loose the bonds of injustice and lift the yoke of oppression. This is the fast that God desires, allowing our inner faith to blossom and bear fruit in service to the world. And we have so many opportunities, you all. We have so many opportunities to do that right here at WHPC.
I don't know if you've checked out our website lately, but we have reworked the whole service section of that site. So now it's very easy to go and see all of these opportunities that you have to share your time and your talents. You can help prepare food for mobile loaves and fishes. You can hand out food from the mobile truck. You can volunteer with folks at Chariot to help drive seniors. You can help with refugee families. You could connect with the folks at Community First. You can donate food to Manos de Cristo. You can deliver food to the food bank. You can volunteer to help at the gathering on Wednesdays. Or you can volunteer to help teach Sunday school on, well, Sundays. There are so many opportunities to serve within this congregation and within this community. But these are only, these are not, sorry, only an opportunity for service. They are an opportunity to deepen our own spiritual disciplines this holy season of Lent. It's an opportunity to turn our attention away from ourselves and turn our intention to lifting up others. And when we do this, we become God's light in the world. The prophet concludes with these words of hope and promise. He says, if you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. I just want to stop here to point out that the word for sharing your food to the hungry, this word in Hebrew is nefesh. Now, nefesh is more than food. Nefesh is also the word for your soul, yourself. What makes you unique? The prophet is telling us that when we share our souls, when we share our lives and ourselves, we become a light to the world. He concludes with these words. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water where, gar where waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be, recall, be called repairers of the breach, the restorers of the streets to live in. Friends, our inner work is meant to lead us out beyond ourselves, beyond our own interests, beyond the doors of this church. Our spiritual disciplines are meant to spill out into the world like a fountain that never fails. But I want you to notice that the you there, that you is plural. It's y'all, y'all. It's us. It's the congregation. It's the church seen and unseen. This is what we are called to do. We are called to work together to be repairers of the breach restorers of the street, when we come together to care for immigrant families, when we worked together to help those in need, when we collect food, when we help rebuild homes, when we help rebuild lives, we are working with 
God. And God is there in our hands that hold and in our arms that lift up. God promises that God will nourish us and make us strong. So during this holy season of Lent, in whatever fast you choose this week, and I hope you do, may that inner spiritual discipline overflow into your world that you might be the light of Christ in this world.